0: This is The Matt Report, the voice of WordPress entrepreneurship. If you're running a WordPress freelance business, selling themes, plugins, or client services, this is the place for you. Learn more at mattreport.com and subscribe at mattreport.com slash subscribe. And now onto the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Matt Report, the number one WordPress podcast talking about WordPress entrepreneurship, building WordPress businesses, client services, plugins, themes, software as a service, all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, If you've been loving the show, we'd love a five-star review. When I say we, that's Lisa and I. Lisa didn't want me to bring her up in this podcast, but we're bringing her her up 45 seconds into it. My executive producer would love if you left us a five-star review so she can feel good about all the hard work that she puts into this podcast. You can find us on iTunes. You don't even have to leave a review. You can just drag your mouse over to the fifth star, press that, and then leave us a five star. If you don't like us, leave us one star. That's perfectly fine, we'll work hard to improve it. We're also on Stitcher, we're on SoundCloud, we're on mattreport.com, we're all over the place. We're on YouTube. Uh, You probably know us, if not, where the heck have you been? Hop on over to mattreport.com slash subscribe, join the mailing list. And this show is brought to you by my very dear product conductor, It's the plugin for developers uh, to help building out building your WordPress layouts a little bit faster, a little bit easier. And if you're not a developer, it's also going to help you with that too. Today's guests, guests, plural, Andy Cook, Nelson Joyce, gentlemen, welcome to the program.
1: Hey man, how's it going? Thanks for having us.
0: Oh man, you guys are putting out an awesome product called Leadin and that's what I want to talk about today. You guys are uh over at the HubSpot World Headquarters, global headquarters, uh just forty five minutes north of me up in Boston, building an awesome plugin sort of content uh or, excuse me, um uh, content marketing, automation, marketing automation is what I was looking for, tracking leads, all of this stuff that a lot of us marketers and and even WordPress uh, business owners are getting into these days. So I want to talk about that specifically. I uh, want to talk about what it was like for you to launch your product, sort of figure out what product to launch and how to get there and all that fun stuff. But give us uh, that two-minute elevator pitch of what lead it is and what it, what you do uh, on your daily basis, on your daily day-to-day.
2: Inside. Sure,
1: yeah. So lead in, uh, like you said, it's a project inside of HubSpot. Uh, we've been working on it for a year this October. Uh, and we work full time on it. And yeah, it's, so HubSpot has all these little experiments that it runs, and we're one of them. And it's been successful so far. Uh, and the point of the plugin is to help you find out who's on your website and what they're doing, and kind of do whatever you want with that information once you have it. So it's been fun. It's been a fun year.
0: Awesome. How did you guys decide on coming up with this product? Was it something that HubSpot said, hey, we want this, or was this something that you guys went to HubSpot and said, hey, we really want to build this, will you help us out?
2: Uh, yes, yeah, so that's, like that's an interesting story. Uh, so I'll back up uh, a little over a year ago. Um, I had a startup called Rentabilities that I worked on for three and a half years. It was a rental marketplace for stuff, so you know, like a bouncy castle or tables and chairs or a chainsaw. Or all three. Come on our site, book it from a local merchant, and uh, pay for online. So I worked on that, and uh, Darnesh, uh, the CTO and founder of HubSpot, was our first investor. Uh, and then about three years into it, we tried to raise a Series A, and we couldn't. Uh, so Darnesh said, "Hey, why don't you come over to HubSpot, Andy? And we'll put you on a special secret project. Your friend Nelson works here. We'll put you on a team together." So I said, "Okay." Uh, and so came into HubSpot, shut down rentabilities, and the first day we met with the chief product officer, David Cancel, took us out uh, to lunch, he basically said. Uh, what should we build? And we went, all right, here's what you're going to do. Build a marketing product uh, for WordPress, probably for like small businesses, bloggers, startups, I'm not really sure. Uh probably be for cheap, but you figure that out, and you need to use orange in the logo. And that was it. Like, that's all the direction we got. So, you know, our first instinct was, oh, let's, like, just come up with a bunch of ideas and build them all and, you know, try to sell them. And then uh, we decided we didn't want to do that, and instead we'd go actually talk to people and figure out what they wanted. Uh, So we scheduled interviews with, like, 50 WordPress users and just talked to them and found out what their problems were. And a few patterns emerged, like this pattern of, I don't know who's on my site, or I don't know what pages they saw or where they came from. So then Nelson uh, did a bunch of mock-ups in Sketch, uh, which is a design tool. Uh, he's an amazing designer. And then we just took those back to the same people and said, which one of these would you use? And the one that stood out the most was the contact timeline. that tells you where people came from, what pages they saw, who they are. Uh, and then we just said, all right, let's build that. That's the one everyone seems to want.
0: That's pretty amazing. One what, what, Before we get on, and I love that part of the story, and I, I want to – really uh, break that down a little bit more, but how did you get Dharmesh as your first investor? Do you have a quick story on how, how you even met him to get him to invest in your first startup? Yeah,
2: I do. Uh, sorry, I'm doing all, doing all well, this is a here, good story. You? This is another good story. <coughs> I, I have like four-fifths of a blog post written about this, so I'll, I'll tell it here first and then share it with the world. Uh, is this is the exclusive. Right yes, yeah, this is
0: the exclusive. This is what we like.
2: Yeah, so that's a good story that, uh, again, wind back three years ago. Um, so I was in a startup incubator called Mass Challenge, which is a Boston-based accelerator. Uh, I applied to it with my brother, who I co-founded rentabilities with, the first year they started the program. Uh, and a little bit before I had applied to that, I had read uh, by Marketing, written by Darmesh Shah and Brian Halligan, the founders of I was obsessed with it, right? You know, went to college, I got a marketing degree, and I read that book and learned in like four hours more than I learned in an entire four years at school. Uh, and so, Matt's challenge, uh, when I was in the Accelerator, we'd bring in speakers every Friday for what was called Founder Friday, where founders would just come in and tell their story. And a couple weeks into it, Darmesh came to speak, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing, this is like the guy who wrote that book I love. You know, I was a little bit of a fanboy. And uh, so I was, didn't know what I was doing. And so uh, I went out to get a coffee and came back, and uh, right before his talk, and I was standing at the elevator, and Darmesh walks up next to me. It's like, I was like, oh my god, I'm riding the elevator with Darmesh. This is crazy. And so I was like, oh, I should do my elevator pitch, I should do my elevator pitch, get in the elevator, I'm thinking about it. Go up to the fourth floor, and the only thing I messed her was. Good luck. He's <laughs> like, thank you. Uh, so then I watched his talk, and while he gave his talk, I took notes. Uh, then after he was done, I went up and being the fanboy I was, uh, brought my book up and just said, can you autograph this? Uh, He's like, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, what's your name? Andy, would you recognize? I told him. He's like, all right, cool. Uh, that's me. So then I went home that night and I wrote a blog post with the exact quotes that he said during his talk. Uh, I called a 14 startup lessons from Darnesh Stop. And it was literally just quotes. And I put it up on the on the on the interwebs. I tweeted it, made sure to tag him, and then he retweeted it, and I got like probably a couple hundred users. Darmesh came and left a comment. Uh, and then he started following me on Twitter, and then we were both not, uh, nocturnal basically, and we started going back and forth on Twitter, got his email, uh, we built a friendship, uh, and then eventually when we were going to invest, we just sent him an email called uh, Four Ways, Darmest Shop, and Health Rentabilities, and it was different levels of help that he could do, we formatted it like a blog post, and he took level four, which was to invest in us. Uh, so on Friday night, I think I had a few drinks, I got that email back, and uh, the email basically said, congratulations guys you've unlocked the investor commitment at 2 a.m. on a Friday night batch this is back when Fort Square was cool uh and yeah you just committed through that it was, it was a long-term endeavor to get him uh we basically made friends and built a relationship with them uh but yeah that's how we did it it wasn't like I knew them before and it was the relationship
0: so listen you know what I'm hearing here is the underlining uh uh, lesson of all of this is get drunk and send people emails. So uh, well, I hope, everybody t- hope everyone takes that away and, and learns from that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Listen, what, one of the thing, and I'm so glad that this is kind of very timely. I wrote a post today, something I heard from Gary Vaynerchuk, who's a pretty prolific uh, internet marketer, and I don't even like to use that term for him. Uh, just entrepreneur and just all-around great idea guy. Super passionate. Anyway, he, wrote, he talked about giving 51% to get the 49% and I think what you did was spot on by, you didn't just hit him up and say, hey, here's our product, here's my elevator pitch, would you give us money? You wrote a blog post, you, sh- you sort of put the spotlight on him, gave him a little value, though he probably didn't need it, but it was still a good gesture. You wrote about him and you played the long game. It wasn't just, here's my idea, give me some cash. Um, and that's awesome. And I, and I really appreciate, as, as, as uh, somebody who uh, gets a lot of these requests a lot or frequently, that you, that you did something like that. Um, and congrats to you. It worked out well, just maybe not for the business, right?
2: Uh, well, it did work out well for the business uh, at the time because, uh, you know, Darmesh was one of the first people on AngelList and introduced us to all these people on AngelList and had a lot of clout there. So we were actually able to raise a seed round. Uh, seed round off that loan commitment basically uh, which got us going. I learned a ton doing rentabilities even though it ultimately didn't pan out and uh, now I'm better off for having tried and here I am four years later working at Garnish's company on a startup and a startup with Nelson.
0: Awesome. So Nelson let's hear your point of view. Why the heck did you partner up with Andy? Well, what, what What possessed you to say yes to Andy?
1: Uh, Well, I've, I've worked with Andy. I worked at RentAbilities for a short time as an intern. And uh, I don't know, he's just a badass. He's, a <laughs> he's like the one of the only people I of drop everything to just work with him, you know. Uh, we, we were in the same seventh grade class, actually, so we know each other for a really long time.
0: Fun fact.
1: Yeah, fun fact. I'm still doubting. Yeah, so I've been working at HubSpot for like three years at that point, almost, and uh, it just seemed like an awesome challenge, right? You get to start a startup basically inside the company, At the risk, Basically, you get to just prove all the learning from that. So it seemed like a no-brainer uh, at the time.
0: But, yeah. Let's talk about about the strategy a little bit, especially maybe from the design side of using Sketch to kind of prove the product before building it. How did you? you I know you guys said that you you talked to a bunch of WordPress users. Uh, what was your design process like? How did you even start from scratch on the canvas even though you were using Sketch? What did you do as your first steps to kind of concept uh, the product?
1: Yeah, so I mean as, because I had been at HubSpot for so long, like I had so much domain knowledge about what, about like, the disproportionately valuable things in HubSpot were. So, HubSpot's a gigantic product, there's a lot of stuff it does, and like I said, there's some parts that are way more valuable than other parts. So we kind of focused on those parts of HubSpot that provided 80% of the value, right? 20% of the features. So like using that, like those instincts we had around that stuff, um, and kind of just took took those those features and said, like, what is the simplest version of this thing? Right? Like how can I strip every other piece away that doesn't need to be there and just start with the kind of the bare metal stuff. So we had a bunch of different mock-ups. Like, the context timeline was only one of them, and we just did them, I just did them as fast as possible, right? Because, I mean, that's what I do, or that's what I was doing at HubSpot, just doing mock-ups all day, so I could do them pretty fast. Uh, and then Andy, and we had some help, other help from some of the researchers at HubSpot set up all these interviews, and we were able to just show people really fast. Like, we, I think we did 50 interviews in, like, two weeks or something, right? So we were able to, and even between interviews, like you show someone something and then you could go change the mock-up before for the next interview in like twenty minutes, right? So you'd actually will like very fast do very fast iterations and kind of test a bunch of ideas really, really fast. Which was awesome. It was a cool process. It was a fun month or so doing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I I'd launched a campaign very similar to that when we launched Conductor and I sort of got the idea from the lean canvas. Uh, I don't know, if it was, I think it's called the Lean Canvas Guide or something like that, but I know my process was, I sort of already had an audience, I knew a bunch of people in WordPress, so I hit up 35 people, I talked to them on average, maybe 45 minutes to an hour, demoing the product, giving them the idea. What was your process like uh, in that? Was it just quick 15 minute phone calls? Did you record anything? What were the technicals and what was the process like?
1: We split it up. like So we, we each did like 25 interviews I think. And like the the general uh, structure is like get them to tell you as much as possible about themselves, right? Like don't don't tell them anything about what you're going to show them. Don't like see their brain with all these ideas, right? Like just get their unfiltered kind of view of the world and stuff that's going on. And then once you have that unfiltered view,
2: then you can show them like what you have. Yeah, the mistake that most uh, people building things make. That I found is they try to sell the product uh, to the prospect, right? Where the better alternative so you can learn a lot faster is to let the product, uh, let the prospect sell themselves. So you ask questions like, "What do you think this uh, product does? Uh, what is valuable for you on this page?" Just really open-ended questions, and you let people start talking, and then you'll uncover insights that you never would have uncovered if you just tried to sell people directly and tell them what they should think. And yep. then you take those learnings back, and you use the jargon and the words people use to describe the product, and you just bake that into what you're doing. Uh, yep. Pretty fascinating. It's a very mean way to test whether what you're trying to build it even resonates with people. And and the I pre- to say,
1: sorry. I was just going to say the most important thing to do when you're interviewing someone in those scenarios is don't have them kind of. Like, hypothesize what they would do in a certain situation, only focus on what they actually have done, and a good way to actually figure out what someone has or has not done. So, like, say you ask someone, like, how often do you check your email, right? Someone might say, oh, I check it every single day, and then you, so this follow-up question of that would be, when was the last time you checked your, this is a bad example, but when was the last time you actually did that? And it might be, oh, well, I haven't done it in a week, right? So then you actually get to see like real usage or like real activity someone's doing and not just like, oh yeah, I should be doing it this much, so I'm just gonna say that's not I
0: do it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. One of the uh, things that came up in the pre-interview with Lisa was you were uh, methodical about figuring out what the problem was to be solved and not really starting with the solution. In other words, you didn't create the solution and said, and this is probably what you guys are getting at, this is what we built, what do you think? Um, how, how would you give somebody that same advice if they were starting over again is it just through interviews? But how do you conceptualize where you want to go with the product? Or are you saying, mm, before you even think about what you want to create as a product, talk to people first?
2: I think what happens is a lot of like a lot of entrepreneurs get really excited about a solution, right? They they see the problem themselves maybe in a very light way, and they get excited about some sort of solution, and they still build it. Uh, where what you should be excited about is the problem in America and all of the different idiosyncrasies with that problem. And the best way to learn about the problem is just to go talk to people about the problem and hear what they have to say. I mean, we had the added advantage of we actually weren't even sure what we should build. It wasn't like we got together and said, oh, we both have this issue and... Uh, like, we let people think to solve it, so let's just go do it. We were kind of just like, alright, what well, should we build? And the best way to figure out what to build is just ask people. Um, I don't know if I really answered the question. But I, I mean, there's like a balance. <laughs> you
1: got to have a balance between, like, and I'm not saying, like, you can never have an idea and, like, think of it yourself, right? But it's like, when you come up with those ideas, you have to ask people about them. You can't just assume that you're right about kind of stuff, you
0: know? Yeah. What I'm trying to um, maybe narrow down to is, because like, some folks listening to this might be like, hey, that's a great idea. At my next WordCamp, I'm going to just start asking people what their problems are, and then they're just going to get a ton of different things. Well, WordPress isn't good on mobile. Plugins are very hard to find. Themes aren't responsive. And they're going to start finding all these different things. Now, of course, you could trend that, and maybe track that. But should the entrepreneur have some product in his or her mind that they might be trying to achieve?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that you should go with the thing you're most excited about. And so, you know, you talk to a lot of people and you see a recurring pattern, that like, okay, WordPress doesn't work well on mobile, and that's something you're excited about and you're knowledgeable knowledgeable about, uh, you should go after it. um, Versus something that might be a little bit of a better opportunity, but you don't care about it at all. Um, That's going to end up coming through in your work and the way you answer support tickets and how fast you do it and the, the way you build the product and how dedicated you are. Um, and I mean, the thing I like to throw out to people is you should be very, very uh, methodical about the ideas you pick, too, to work on. Because if you're even remotely successful, you're going to be working on this thing for the next, like, four or five years of your life. You should like the general space that you're working in. Well,
0: always good advice. Yeah, rather than just, like, <laughs> chasing the money. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, we I-
1: started with... You didn't just say, like, let's fix the WordPress problem. We said WordPress marketing for small businesses, right? So it's not like it was completely blue motion. There was kind of a semi focus, not completely focused, but sure direction, right? We
2: the impact of yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how did you guys stay on point with everything? You're getting the feedback, 50 people. You have their ideas. You have your ideas. How did you sort of... Um, put this in some kind of ranking system and prioritize what was winning and what wasn't? How did you guys do that from the te- technical level?
2: So to answer your question from a while ago, we recorded everything first so that we didn't have to keep track of it in our brains. Uh, <laughs> and then because we were uh, working on each interview separately, I didn't know what the interviewees that Nelson was talking to were saying, and he didn't know what I would say. So we opened up a Basecamp account, we would post the recordings and then summarize the key points uh, from each recording that we thought uh, made sense. And then, you know, if he didn't believe me, we could listen to the full interview if he wanted. Um, And then from there, uh, it just, over time, became clear which uh, of these fake products that we were peddling, uh, well, we weren't peddling them, we were showing them, but which fake products we were showing uh, were the most valuable to people. So there were a couple that people just, like, weren't interested in at all, uh, but, and then the one that really stood out was the timeline approach If people used words like, I love this, or, oh, is this a real product? Can I put this on my site right now? And we'd say, no, uh, not yet. Like, let's put you on the beta list. Uh, we just kept a MailChimp list of people who said they wanted it.
1: You hadn't written a line of code. Yeah. Either, so yeah, we right. just had a bunch
2: of mockups. Uh, so then we kept track of all those people in MailChimp and who wanted what product, and then despite the people who, saying, who said that I want this right now, we were able to basically give which product was the best. Uh, and the good thing about that is when we finally launched the product, we had a list of people to send it to and get it installed, and they knew who we were, and they were early adopter types who um, to talk to us about a fake product, so they dealt with all the bugs and the crappy, uh, the crappy first version.
0: Were you mocking up? Uh, five or six different fake products at that time, or did you sort of just present the fake stuff, for lack of a better term, and then sort of narrow down on, on sort of the concept of lead in as it is today?
1: We had a bunch of them.
2: Uh, yeah, I would say four or five at least. What else? I'm trying to think. Of uh, it. So there was one where uh, we wanted to build what we have now with, uh, in the product at the time, uh, which uh, was a fake product when we first launched it. Was the pop-up form builder that we have in our product, yeah. um, and that's an interesting story which I'll go into. But we just wanted to build a pop-up form builder similar to something like OptinMonster or something, and that was one of the products that we showed people. Like, oh, you can pick where you want the pop-up to go and collect email addresses and that type of thing. And then uh, we had the contacts timeline, uh, which showed people where people were coming from. What they saw. Uh, we had? We read, like, a weekly newsletter. Oh, right. Yep, that was a good one. So uh, another idea we had was it would uh, take all of your WordPress posts for the week, like, let's say, all of your interviews from that report, put them in a nice newsletter, and then send it out to your contact list automatically without you ever having to format the newsletter. Um, Then uh, there's probably something like that that exists, too. We didn't do a ton of research on that one because no one really cared. Um, I mean we we thought of that, we thought it was genius and we got yeah. excited about it.
1: <laughs> but like then we showed people and they're like not in there. This yeah. doesn't interest me at all. So it's like okay, never mind. Yeah. Not yeah. a good
2: idea. <laughs> yeah, with the pop-up builder, that was actually something people wanted. Uh, and the interesting thing was we decided because we only have limited resources, we're gonna focus on the one which people wanted more, the one that people fell on the love side of the spectrum versus the I don't care side of the spectrum. Uh, And we built up the contacts uh, tool and then stored them all in the WordPress backend. And then we had this issue where people who don't have forms on their site would be like, oh, this is cool, but I can't use it because I don't have a form. So then at that point, we were like, oh, let's build in the contact pop up uh, to help them collect new contacts and store them in their uh, database. But yeah, I mean, and
1: then even when we did decide to build that, like we were able to build that thing really quick because there was an open source library that people at HubSpot built to do these pop-ups. So we, we just literally spent 10 minutes and just took this open source code and just stuck it in the plugin, right? And it's like, we didn't have to spend two weeks building it before we could actually try to give it to someone, right? So we spent a day putting that in the plugin, and then the next day we could say, here's this, this plug-in code with this pop-up. Do you want it? And people were actually saying, like, yeah, I'll take it, right? So it wasn't... We didn't guess that people might want it. It was just sure. a...
0: What was the conversation like to finally say this is what we're going to move forward on? Uh, did you have some kind of tallying system, or was it finally just looking at all of those interviews and saying this, you know, scored the best and let's just go with the contact? Or did you just know it in your gut and move forward with that?
2: Uh, it was mostly a gut decision with a lot of internal debate, uh, a lot of discussion, and it, you know, with the interviews we did so many of them that we eventually started hearing the same things over and Again. And you knew at that point it was time to build something. You we weren't learning anything new. Uh, the best way to learn new stuff is to get a product in the end of So we just discussed it and we argued back and forth, and then eventually we just said, "Like, okay, we're going to do the contact timeline, and we're just going to make a bet on it because all the research that we've done, like, that we think that that's the best one. You know, it wasn't like preordained that that was going to work or anything. It was just like." the best decision you could make given everything we've learned, and we hope it works. I mean, it also
1: works like, you have to also like think what you can implement quickly, yeah. too. That right? also goes into the decision, right? Because like, if, you, if, you if you have two ideas that are similarly interesting, but one's going to take two months to build, and one's going to take two weeks to build, you should probably try the two-week one first. Yeah. Because <laughs> you, you get people using it much sooner, right?
0: Let's fast forward to where the product exists today uh, or in the iteration that it exists today. Is there anything that you'd probably want to say you might take back from this whole journey that, uh, you, that our listeners should be sort of apt to know when launching a product? Uh, you know, was it too much in design? Was it too much in, in discovery process? Uh, was it not marketed uh, in the right light when it first launched? What, what is that takeaway for launching this product?
2: I'm giving this some thought because I don't want to just blurt out the first thing I think of uh, and lead people astray. On my,
1: my, my opinion is that we should
2: have been charging for it a lot right.
1: earlier. I mean, a lot of that had to do with the fact that we're inside of a spot and uh, we didn't need to. So we didn't have to. No, we didn't need to, like, right away. Uh, I mean, not even to make money, but like that helps you validate stuff even more that people are willing to pay for it. Right? So, even if we had 10 customers at this point, I would feel more comfortable about where we're going to go with
2: the new version of everything. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I mean, we're a product of our environment, like Nelson touched on. But yeah, I think if we had charged earlier, uh, we would have had a better idea and had more uh, speed behind us and more confidence uh, in making decisions. Because we would have known, like, okay, people are paying us for this;
0: they must value this, and it's just it. Do you think it would have validated the product? Um, I'm trying to think of a way to to phrase this. Do you think that the customer, if they paid for something, that they would have felt more? Uh, committed to the product? In other words, did you find people on the freemium side saying, hey, this is great, I downloaded it, I installed it, but you don't really know if they're engaged because they don't really care because they're not paying anything? Is it because of that, or is it more of just a metric that said, people pay for this, so it's worth it, let's keep building it?
2: I mean, I think we uh, had this juxtaposition where we said, okay, let's keep keep improving the product uh, and making something that people love. But it was never clear, like, okay, we have product market fit, uh, let's grow it now. And one of, the, one of the mistakes I see a lot of new products make is they grow too fast when they shouldn't and they don't have a good product yet that doesn't retain people. Or they grow too slow when their product is good enough and it does retain people and they should put all their, all their eggs in time to acquire customers. Um, if we had people paying us for it in the beginning, we probably would have known that a lot sooner. Whereas it's taken us like nine months to finally get to a point where it's like, okay, we have enough people and they keep this thing on their site. Let's just grow it now, which is where we're at now. And,
0: and where does the pricing model come from? Uh, what kind of research, or what kind of con- what was that conversation like? I, I know HubSpot might have influenced the f- sort of freemium, and and you had some of the resources, but what is the pricing model today, and and how did that conversation go?
2: Uh, so uh, we just we just like use their best judgment on that, and to be 100% candid, that is a complete experiment in progress that we're not successful or we haven't failed yet. Uh, yeah. We're hoping to actually launch our premium version today. Um, Some like the research we did beforehand was we just talked to people and said, how much would you pay for this? Uh, or we asked, would you pay for this? Uh, and if they said no, we said, okay, what would you pay for? And then if they said yes, we say, okay, how much, how much would you pay for it? Uh, and then we just looked at what other plugins doing sort of similar things were charging. Um, and then we decided to charge annually instead of monthly because it tends, or at least from what I can tell, that tends to be a convention in WordPress. Uh, that reforms doesn't of other companies do it. It's also gonna make accounting for us way easier, so it's a good idea. Um, I mean, in terms of like
1: how much you charge for it, I think we do, what we do a lot is like, picture where you wanna be and then like work backwards from that. And it's like, okay, how, how are we gonna get from where we are now to that, right? This is how much money we want to be making or need to be making. Like, how like how many people do we have now? Like, what percent of people do we have to convert to paid versus, and how fast we need to grow? Like, the user base. So, it's, I think that's another good way to figure out the
2: pricing model too. It's like, where do I need to be and want to be in six months or twelve months? Yeah, my best piece of advice would be. You're always going to be working on pricing. So if you have something that you think is valuable, start charging for it, whatever you think, and then double that price because you're probably not charging enough, uh, and just see if people will pay you for it. I mean, also you always can change your pricing. It's yeah, not like just because you decide today
1: you want to charge ten dollars doesn't mean that next month you can say five dollars, right? And then you just grandfather everyone in, and just spend ten dollars, right? So, yeah. You know.
0: Is there anybody on the HubSpot council looking at the WordPress industry, going, "These people are insane! Like 40 bucks for this for a, for a lifetime." Uh, you know, we're charging five, six hundred bucks a month for our lowest end product. I think roughly off the top of my head. Is anybody on that on the HubSpot council saying, "Man, these prices in WordPress—they they need to change." Yeah. Are they sort of convincing you to to raise the bar a little bit? See, we're
1: thinking that. <laughs> I don't know if
2: anyone in the like higher up the most others, but that's definitely our ticket. Yeah, I mean, we have enough autonomy inside the company uh, where no one's telling us you have to charge at all, or you have to charge this amount. it's just we can figure it out and do it, we can discuss. Um, we personally think like Nelson just said, people building products in the WordPress ecosystem are not charging enough for the value that they're creating. Uh, hopefully, I think, from what I can tell, that that Mentality is starting to change over time. And there are are precedents like Gravity Boys and New and these
0: companies
2: that have built over a couple of years to help it to change that mentality.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Good for you guys for recognizing that and and bringing that to a great product and bringing it into our market. What is next for a lead in, feature wise, vision wise, team wise? Um, Like you said, today you'll be launching the, the first premium or are paid part of the product. Yeah. Um, what's the What's the long term goal six months to a year from now?
2: So, uh, our biggest challenge right now is figuring out how to grow. Uh, grow the user base. So, we've spent the last 12 months building something that we think people really, really love. Uh, and the types of feedback we get is amazing. Um, we get like five people. Just emailing us cold, like almost every day, just saying how much they love the product and thanking um, So I think we're there on a the product sense, uh, and now we need to figure out, okay, how do we take the thing that's working and then ten x, twenty x, thirty x the this? Uh, which is going to be extremely challenging, but we can figure it out by doing what we've been doing this whole time, which is running new experiments, doubling down on the things that work, and then getting rid of everything else. Uh, So there's only two of us right now. We have limited time, uh, so we can't invest in the experiments for the growth changes that I'm working. Um, I mean, I think that's another thing that a lot of plugin developers uh, who are trying to build products don't think about it. Um, There's this mentality in software development that if you build it, they will come. Uh, But they won't come if they don't know where to come and they can't find you. Uh, So thinking about... Distribution channels uh, really really matters, and what we did to combat this as we went was every week we kept track of like, how many downloads we had uh, and the rate uh, the rate of change every week, and we said okay we need to be growing seven to ten percent every week, uh, which is like what Paul Graham says is the magic number for startup growth. And when we fell below that, we stopped working on product and then started working on acquisition channels again. And then as soon as we got back about that threshold, we kept working on product. So you have to have a balance between the two. Do
0: you, do you think you... Uh, do? You, how much do you put... Let me stop and rephrase this question. <laughs> how much do you depend on the .org free plugin repository to drive the traffic? Uh, do you Do you think that without it, you wouldn't have... You wouldn't be where you are today, uh, or do you think otherwise?
1: Yeah, I mean, we get like sixty percent of our downloads are from .org, <laughs> So, like in terms of a like, user base thing, like yeah, we need that like, at least for now. But uh, I mean, if, if we were just trying to sell something, probably not. But since we're trying to get a big base before we sell something, I would say it's pretty important.
0: Are you me- measuring any metrics that say this is organic? I know this is such a tough tough thing to measure, but it's an organic.org search download versus, hey, I heard about these guys from podcasts, from another blog post. I'm going to go try this. In other words, what, what is it that you're doing organically versus people downloading you because you've they've heard of you and they just heard about the product being so awesome?
2: So that's... Uh in the WordPress ecosystem, that's extremely hard to measure accurately. Uh, one of my biggest uh, personal pet peeves with the WordPress plugin repositories is absolutely no metrics if all uh, for plugin developers to basically figure out what their best acquisition are, their keywords, or often A/B testing the copy on the page. Can't do it. Uh, maybe someday I'll just like hammer on a weekend and write a, a whole library or keep track of it and try to commit it to the core. I don't know. Uh, but I mean you can sort of hack it by uh, doing what we did, which was uh, in the plugin you can opt in to email updates from us, which tell you about new features that we're working on. Uh, and Nelson set up an autoresponder in MailChimp that anyone who opts into that, we reach out to them we say, thank you for trying out our plugin. We have two questions for you. Uh, why did you why are you trying this thing out? And how did you find us? And based on that, how did you find this question, you can get a rough sense of whether people are coming from your site, whether they're coming from Google, they got a referral, they found a social media, or whatever, and then kind of get that. But it's not ideal at all, and it shows a better way to measure. it.
0: Yeah. I can't agree with you enough. Uh, it's very tough uh, to obviously measure that stuff. There's not a lot of help uh, in, that, in that sector for us as... Uh, product developers, plugin developers, uh, themes is a whole other whole other animal. We're on .org for themes. We're not there for our plugin, um, and the theme stuff is hard enough. I, I can't even imagine the plugin stuff. Although uh, you do have a little bit more freedom uh, in the plugin, like uh, sort of the tracking stuff, the opt-in tracking tracking stuff, and sort of capturing that stuff. So uh, I hear you, 100 percent on that. Gentlemen, it's been an amazing interview. There's so many good nuggets of information for folks to to take away, whether they're building their product or or building their first product or they want to start tracking some marketing info for their their blog. Uh, Where can folks find you on the web to say thanks?
2: Uh, So our website is leadin.com. We're on Twitter, Leadin app. Uh, And then we love getting direct emails from people too. So my personal email is Leadin.com. Nelson's Nelson at leadin.com, Nelson Joyce on Twitter, Andy G Cook on Twitter. Yep. Uh, yeah, just reach out with any questions.
1: Yeah, we'd love to talk about this stuff with any plugin developers or product people or whatever. And we're gonna be at well, this is probably gonna air after this, but we're gonna be at WordCap San
2: Francisco as well. Uh nice. be fun.
0: Wait, uh, did you guys buy Leadin.com before you started or did you buy that while you were there?
2: Uh, that was actually a gift from
0: Darmesh. I was gonna say that's a damn good domain.
2: Yeah. yeah, that was one of the other uh, one of the other uh, things I missed in the first talk we had, which was oh yeah,
0: the name of the products we did.
2: Oh yeah, they told <laughs> us the name. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so they did tell you the name.
2: Yeah, yes. sort of. They said, well, here's this domain you can use, that the Uh It's a great domain, and yeah. It's it is. Like that, so. <laughs>
0: for sure for sure awesome stuff folks uh, find them out on uh, find them on Twitter search for them Plug in the wordpress.org plug-in just go to leadin.com I use it on a bunch of my sites it is a phenomenal product uh, and I don't say that about everything so go ahead and check that out if you want to be one of those entrepreneurs who's out there trying to figure out or if you are if you are one of those entrepreneurs out there trying to figure things out uh, the best way to learn is our pro section at Maritport, maritport.com slash join uh, and join the membership, private forums, monthly mastermind calls. We're answering all these questions, uh, or at least Lisa is, uh, very, very diligently in the forums. Thank you, Lisa, for being not only the executive producer, but the community manager of the Matt Report Pro section. Thanks. Learn more at mattreport.com slash join. Gentlemen, thanks a lot. Really appreciate it.
2: Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having That's us. It's great to it's talk amazing with you. you